Networking is the community you build, the friendships you have, the family you develop with people who aren't necessarily blood. And I love my brothers, but I'm talking about other people. When you embrace that and you stop thinking of it as work and you stop thinking of it as something because you need something, it's so rewarding to be part of a family of people that you, you take a bullet for. I'm Adam Connors from NetworkWise and your host of Who's Who in HR. Ask any successful CEO about the most important aspect of their company and they'll inevitably answer their people. And who is it that's responsible for their people? It's human resources. In fact, HR is the backbone of any elite organization. They attract, develop, and engage top talent, progress culture, secure and manage important benefit programs, Make sure you're appropriately paid, protect the best interest of each employee and the company, and so much more that, quite frankly, often gets taken for granted. On Who's Who in HR, I'll have in-depth discussions with well-known human resource leaders who offer insights into who they are, how they got there, and the areas they support. During our conversation, these leaders will reveal beneficial industry advice and innovative trends in the HR space that's contributing to keeping the world's most successful companies at the top of their game. My guest today is Keith Bogan, the Senior Human Resource Business Partner and Business Development Consultant for the MedBar Group. For the past 18 years, he's also been running his own networking group for human resource practitioners, Wine and Dine Networking. That's wine with an H. Listen in as we chat about what networking means to him and how his life has shaped his personal philosophy. Let's dive right in. All right, Keith Bogan, welcome to the show. Thanks for uh, making this happen today, especially with all of the things that you've got going on in your life. So I really appreciate this. My pleasure. A lot of fun. A very engaging personality you got. So uh, I'm ready to rock and roll. <laughs> I think you're born ready. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So I like to start the conversation off with something that I call rapid fire. Just a couple of quick questions to get us loose. Not that you need it, but the heck, let's just go with the format. You ready? Anything you want, my friend. All right, let's do it. So what's something embarrassing that you can share? Oh, you had to put the words that I could share because there's some things I probably shouldn't talk about. But <laughs> look, I've been embarrassed plenty of times in my life, but I almost invited on myself. I'm the kind of person I walk down the street and I'll do silly things because I know I'm probably not going to see those people again anyway. It's not like I'm doing it in front of friends and family or something like that. I'm not shy about stuff. And I invite that sort of thing because it makes people feel like I'm the one that will take that hit and they don't have to worry about it in, in, in whatever social setting we're in. So I'm the one who'll chirp loudly at a baseball game and say silly stuff and lead the cheers. I'm the one who will, well, my sons have probably been embarrassed by me at sporting events when they've been playing, that's for sure. But it doesn't phase me. It doesn't phase me because none of that's permanent. It's just fun. You know, I love that. And I think that's so fitting with what we're going to talk about later today. And it just reminded me of Tony Robbins. He has a personal coach, or I'm sure he's got a lot of them. But one of them, his name is uh, Tony Rodriguez. And, and Tony's great. And in a conversation him and I were having one time, he goes, Adam, he goes, life is just too serious to take serious. And he says, if you can't laugh at yourself, just give me a call and uh, I'll laugh at you. 
<laughs> so, so in the spirit of that, I think that's great. I love that perspective that you have. Um, Absolutely. When I go to a networking events or when I host them, you know, I'm doing icebreakers all the time, just with individuals. And I don't have like group performances or anything like that, but I'll tell stories like that and, and that are most people would probably think they're embarrassing. And when we have another podcast and another time, I'll tell you about how I was once diagnosed uh, borderline hypoglycemic by my gynecologist. <laughs> now, who the hell would talk about that in public? And, and, and like, trust me, that's a story. That's a real story that I've told a hundred times. <laughs> well, <laughs> that's great. I, I'm definitely looking forward to that story. <laughs> oh, yeah, <I> bet you <laughs> hey, well, so what do you do, Keith? G- give me your elevator pitch. So in a nutshell, I've been an HR practitioner for 25 years, generalist, business partner at the sort of the manager, director, senior director level kind of thing. The last 18 years of that, I've been running my own networking group called Wine and Dine Networking. Wine is spelled with an H, W-H-I-N-E. People get a kick out of that. (laughs) And it brings together the HR community, HR and recruiting. A lot of different forums, all of them are free. Uh, I'm not smart enough to charge any money on that stuff. That's more of a hobby than anything else. But it's a nationwide group that meets in a lot of different cities when we don't have pandemics running around. And I got the J-O-B, which I absolutely love. I work for a company called Floss Bar that normally does dental services at the office, but right now is doing COVID services at the office. So um, I've got got that going too. What an interesting business. I, I love the concept and I love how you guys were able to pivot during these times. We did. It's at the time the pandemic hit, we were two and a half years old providing dental services, basic stuff at the workplace, which people absolutely loved. I mean, in two and a half years, we did it in 42 different states. That's how quickly we grew. But in a month, the latter half of February and the first half of March, the founder of the company, who's absolutely brilliant, literally stood up a whole new business to do every kind of COVID service you can imagine. And yeah, now we've become one of the real providers, real uh, leaders in the uh, field of COVID testing, soon to be COVID vaccines. Wow. So will you be called COVID bar or are you guys sticking with the floss bar? <laughs> well, there's a separate part of the company that does the COVID testing called MedBar. It's all under the floss bar banner, but MedBar is sort of the brand that does the, the medical side, like the COVID stuff. Interesting. Yeah, that's impressive. I mean, just being able to pivot where most people are just going out of business, this has been an uptick for you. So I, I'm impressed. There's a lot of stuff I love about all the things I do in my life, but this company is phenomenal uh, and it gives me an opportunity to do at work, what I do in life, which is to help so many people. And I'm surrounded by, at work, I'm surrounded by just wonderfully talented people. I got two master's degrees and I always feel like I'm the idiot in the room when I walk into the, you know, to work. <laughs> I, I, people are phenomenal. They really are. Yeah. Well, you, you know what they say when you're the smartest person in the room, right? Get out. <laughs> no, it's time to leave. <laughs> it's time oh, to leave. Wait, wait a minute. The other answer should be, oh, you must be in Washington. Oh, never mind. <laughs> oh, man. So tell me about Wine and Dine Networking. I'd love to, you know, give me the backdrop. Like, when did it start? How did it start? Who are your members? What's the purpose? The relatively quick story, I'll try to be as brief as I can. Back in 2002, I was the HR director of a company that was going out of business and I was sort of handing out the pink slips to everybody. We all knew we were, we were done. And I was the one who was giving everybody their paperwork, handing out the pink slips and myself included. And a friend of mine said, hey, you need to go network. And I'm like, why would I want to play with the cables in the back of my computer? <laughs> I had no idea what she was talking about. Turns out I'd been networking my whole life. I just didn't know it had a name. 
And like most people, I thought, oh, networking must be job search stuff. And I guess I suppose you're right, but I don't like that. I never had to look for a job before that moment, as a matter of fact. So I started figuring out what networking was since she kind of baffled me. And networking is more about bringing together people, creating a community, sharing resources, helping each other. Yeah, there's that thing about job search, but it's a very small part of the world of what we call networking. So I went out and I started looking for places where I could do networking. I found all these groups that said they were networking groups. And the funny thing was every group, group after group after group, I didn't meet anybody. Mm. I'd walk in, I there'd be some speaker, some presentation. Everybody would show up just for that. They'd listen to it, throw down a plate of food and leave. And they wouldn't talk to each other. So I, I actually gave up on the concept of networking. I didn't think it was real. But there was a moment in March of 2003 when I looked at four of my friends and said, let's go to dinner. And I playfully put up the quote sign with my hands. We're going to network. And I made fun of it. And we had one dinner for just the five of us. We weren't supposed to be anything else. But we had so much fun. We said, yeah, let's get together and do this again in April. And in April, the five of us got together and each brought a friend. So instead of five, we were 10. Hmm. And then we did it even in May. And suddenly we were 20. And literally by June, we were 40. And that's completely by accident how networking started being a thing in my life and the origin of wine and dine networking that has now grown from five people to literally tens of thousands of people, none of which, by the way, are members. We don't have members. People participate in various forums, mostly online. There's, uh, we're in 15 different cities when we can actually get together in person. Although that hasn't happened obviously since March. Yeah, we do a lot of Zooming, of course, but there's all sorts of groups, IO and Twitter feeds and Facebook pages and uh, LinkedIn. There's like over 5,000 people in the LinkedIn group alone. I don't know how it happened. I really don't. I mean, it's literally word of mouth, no advertising, no marketing, just people telling, hey, this is a good group to be part of. And Suddenly, people keep joining. In it. And I've done the survey. If I go through all of my various forums and I look at where people are located, which you can do in most of them, they, we have people participating in what we do in all 50 states and literally 40 countries around the world. Wow. And, and, and what are the rules to being a member? Don't be an ass. I'm sorry. Well, a, uh, Wine and Dine was partly formed to remove the structure, remove the focal points of what we do. So instead of having some formal agenda and having somebody get up and speak, it does the exact opposite. We have no formal agenda and we don't let anybody speak. It's just basically a cocktail party. Or as Jerry Seinfeld would say, we're all about nothing. So we don't have rules except don't sell. We let anybody come by. It's an HR group, but anybody can drop by. And a lot of people who service the HR community, like the vendors, will come by. They can hang out. Just no overt selling. Come hang out, help other people. And along the way, you'll probably get some customers. We just no overt selling. But other than that, we, we don't like rules. I don't like rules. That's great. And then how have you been able to build this without even any structure? Because you've started new groups, like you said, all over the country. Or did you say global? Did I catch that right? Did you? I mean, say we that? haven't quite gotten out of the United okay. States. We keep getting door knocks from... India and Canada and Ireland and England and a few other places, even China ones, and they haven't quite come through. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so I, I have yet to be able to call it an international organization, but there are people who are in the social online forums yeah. 
who are from all over the place, literally many countries, like I said. So, but the in-person groups are only here in the U.S. and they're mostly East Coast. Gotcha. And just anyone, like how would someone that's listening, how could they find out? Who would you recommend that they get in touch with if they wanted to connect with either yourself or just one of the other advisors that are part of your leadership team? Well, if they go to the website, they could locate the the leaders of the various groups in the various cities, but that would probably damage their eyes because the website really sucks. So they should probably (laughs) just reach out to me. Uh, A friend of mine put together, like I said, we don't make any money. So a friend of mine put together the website a long time ago, and it was a very generous thing to do, but it was also looks like it's from 1994. I got to update one of these days, but uh, yeah, reaching out to me is fine. Yeah. It's, I'm not difficult to find. I have a very, my, the spelling of my name is slightly unusual, I guess. And so I'm, I'm the first one found when you look for me on LinkedIn, as long as you spell the name, right? We'll have, we'll include all that information uh, in the show notes and we'll make it easy for anybody to connect with you. Just appreciate you being open to having people reaching out to you. What are some of the biggest challenges that you have faced building wine and dine? The definition of networking, there's several things. One is the definition of networking because most people think that word purely means job search when they need it, getting something that they need when they need it. Uh, And that is, it couldn't be further from the truth in terms of what networking really is, which of course is sharing all the time and helping others most of the time. And occasionally they'll help you and that's great, but... Unfortunately, the overwhelming majority of people only network when they feel they have to, which is why they think it's so difficult because mm-hmm. they need something. As a friend of mine likes to say, networking is not just for not working. And if the fourth, fifth, sixth, and seventh letters are important in that word, you're screwed. That's great. <laughs> Can we give him a shout out? Oh, shit. Yeah. I'm sorry. Sorry about that. Yes, of course we can. Jerome Leday. He's now a semi-retired down in Florida, but he was a longtime HR practitioner himself. And my my big brother who taught me everything I needed, I ever knew about networking, although he claims that's not true, but he's wrong. (laughs) (laughs) So I love your guiding philosophy that you have not lived a perfect day unless you've done something for someone who will never be able to repay you. I think that is awesome. I'd love to know when that kind of became your guiding philosophy and what prompted that. If we go back a dozen or so years to when I learned that an email signature was a good thing, I started playing with different, first it was, you know, name and email and phone number. And then I started started putting some other things that made sense in there. And I, I picked up, I just modeled off of some people who had memorable expressions. And I went through about four or five of them before I came across that. And like you, the moment anybody sees that, firstly, the, the moment I saw it, it I, I just knew it was in my soul. It was me who I am. But the moment anybody else sees it, it becomes such a memorable thing. It very, very quickly became my brand. Yeah. So I haven't changed it in, I'm going to guess, at least six or seven years now, and I have no intention of changing it. It's simply who I am. And no, I didn't. That's not my quote. I, I stole it from somebody. I can't even tell you who because I've seen it attributed to three or four different people. <laughs> so I don't even know who actually originally said it, but I don't care. Yeah. Well, I'm attributing it to you. How about that? 
<laughs> well, thank you. Uh, like, well, we'll, run, we'll run with that for the next 20 minutes. That's yeah. good. <laughs> good. And then what prompted this? Like, where did this come from? Was, it, was this innate or was this something that there was an epiphany that you had in your life at one time where like, hey, why don't I help some other people? And then all of a sudden, good things just started happening to you. You're like most things, you're opening up the door to what could be a, a week's long conversation. But sentence or two, I'll just say that in many ways, not in all, but in many ways, I was raised right. It's just a matter of how you're taught. Some people are taught to be to share and some people are not. And some people are taught to be helpful and some people are taught to be greedy. I was raised in a house where we do everything we can to improve the human condition. My brothers would probably, and I have three older brothers, but they would probably look at me a little sideways with that because maybe I was raised differently than my brothers were. I don't know, but they, my parents were very active in the community, very active in politics, very active in the board of education for the school system, PTA, things like that. And they were always out amongst the community helping other people. They never actually taught me any of it. All I did was role model off of them. Just osmosis. Yeah. It wasn't like they sat me down and said, this is what you should do. I never heard those words. I simply learned from them and I saw the reaction in all the people that they reached out to and that they touched and, and that they, that they were, whose lives they were a part of. What advice do you have for people when it comes to networking? I mean, it, it's been my experience, a, a very uh, small population of people that truly understands how to properly network or what I like to say, how to network wise. I'd love to get your perspective if you agree with that. And, and if so, what is it that you try to impart when you're talking with other people, whether it's people that are part of Wine and Dine or just anyone in general that's going to listen to you when you sit down and have a conversation with them? The epiphany that you mentioned before was more on the HR side than it was on the networking side. But it's a, it, the reason I bring it up is that it, it applies here. And, and it's going to sound a little negative, but I, to me, I look at it very positively. And that is that I almost left HR somewhere around 2005, 6, 7, that time frame. Because I got so frustrated watching people who were in my profession not being very good at what they did. In fact, they were terrible. So many of them, a lot of people who've fallen into the profession, a lot of people who were pushed into the profession without necessarily wanting to be there, people who didn't take the time to learn the right things, get the right education. And I'm not talking about master's degrees. I'm just talking about learning how to do HR the right way. People who were checking boxes, uh, punching clocks, and just getting done what they needed to get done and not no pride, no, no passion. What saved me was when I realized that I was spending all this time focusing on the frustrations of the 85 or 90% of the people out there who fall into that category. There's a lot of worker bees. There's a lot of people who just want to have a J-O-B and collect their paycheck and go home and be with their family. And I get it. But that's not who I am. And I kind of figured out that it was like 10, in a generous day, I'll say 15% of the HR population that cares, mm -hmm. that tries, that's passionate, that wants to knock it out of the park. And when it, and the epiphany I had was when I finally started focusing on the 10 or 15% and stop worrying so much about the rest of the people that's when my life changed. That's when it really started to pay off and make sense. That was the difference for me. And it's not that I, I don't ignore the other people. I try to help as many people as I can. I'll, try, I'll help anybody who comes to me. But I had to wrap myself around and embrace the concept that not everybody's going to be receptive to the help, even if they ask for it. I have to understand that some people, a lot of people, will come to you because they need something, get the help. 
land or whatever they, they're doing and then disappear. Mm-hmm. They won't be part of the fabric. And that's not networking either. Once you become comfortable with that, once you become, once you understand human nature, it is so rewarding, unbelievably rewarding to be with the 10%, to spend time with them and to build a community with them and to succeed and fail with them and do great things with them. Failure is okay too, because you're sharing it as a community. You're not alone. There's so many things that networking is that have nothing to do with jobs or job search. Adam, you and I off, off recording, you and I, you know that my son was in a pretty serious car accident just a few days ago and he's fine. You know, no injuries, but his car is just mangled. But when Justin called me and he said, dad, I'm in an accident. Here's what happened. First thing I did was I called the guy who runs, uh, he did it up in Northern Connecticut. I live in New Jersey. And he, I called my friend Ken, who runs uh, the Hartford chapter of Wine and Dine. Ken, I need help. And then I called my other friend, Andrea, who is very involved in the Milford chapter and the and, and just friends of mine within the HR community and, and in my networking circle. They, they happen to live in the area. <laughs> you can bet they dropped everything and they just ran right to the scene of the accident and took care of my kids. Oh, my God. I mean, that, that pays itself off tenfold of all the years. But when people can yeah. understand that that's what networking is, mm-hmm. networking is the community you build, the friendships you have, the family you develop with people who aren't necessarily blood. And I love my brothers, but I'm talking about other people. When you embrace that and you stop thinking of it as work and you stop thinking of it as something because you need something. It's so rewarding to be part of a family of people that you you take a bullet for. A lot of people, if you ever use that expression, a lot of people say, oh, yeah, my friend Joe or my friend you know, Betty, and that's it. I got a long list of people I take a bullet for. I'm blessed. Yeah. But it's all because of the networking in the community. Yeah. That was so eloquent. I got to tell you, I mean, and you really did a great job of summing it up and highlighting things that are more important, like the, the, the getting the job. That's not to, to, to be dismissive of that, but that's just one ancillary benefit of having a network. I mean, just think about how many, if you have a question, it sounds like you've got a major Rolodex. Yes, I am using the word Rolodex that you can rely on to get the answer to that. If you're in a tough spot, you're in a tough bind, or you're in a different state and you need people to access, you've hey, got listen, them. <laughs> in those 25 years, in those 25 years, there was a middle period of time in that career where 11 of the years I was an independent consultant, had like 35 different clients in the 11 years. And I found, one, I remember this really clearly, of those 35 clients, I was either one or two I found by answering an ad. The rest of it was all because of who I knew. So even from a pure job search perspective, one job at the beginning of my HR career in the 90s and two clients out of 35 throughout that whole window of time were gotten from traditional sources, we'll call it that, and everything else was networking. Everything else was who I knew, constantly being introduced to the right people at the right time, sometimes being introduced to people who came up with opportunities for me a year later or three years later, or in one story that I tell, eight years later. So that's another thing that kind of I'm very passionate about is when I do a presentation on networking, my favorite presentation is called Stop Looking for a Job, Start Building Your Career. And where what it comes from is the idea that 
people when they need a job, but they'll only talk to the people they think they can help them right then mm-hmm. to get a job right now. So if they talk to ten, if they see ten people, they'll only talk to one or two because oh, those are the two that they're they're going to have a connection right now, and the other eight, forget it. Except they might have connections later at other times or have other opportunities for them or do other things that might influence or change or bless their lives in some ways. I want people to talk to everyone as part of their social fabric, not just to get something. You're nailing it. I mean, networking works. It may not work exactly how you want it to work or when you want it to work. And it may not exactly work where you want it to work, but it works. I mean, it's going to benefit you somehow and sometime, somewhere. You just have to believe in it and you just got to put yourself out there and, and benefit others and, and everything else just falls into place. I don't think it's that much of a stretch for people to believe in it because that sounds almost cultish. It's more that once you engage in it, it, it just starts rewarding you so quickly and not necessarily because it's doing something directly for you. It might be helping other people initially, but there are so many things... I. My friends really want me to write a book or several because I have tons of stories of times when I've done something for someone and then they'll circle around later and, oh, wow, the blessings that have been heaped upon me. I'm not a rich man, not not financially, but I'm blessed with so many good people in my life who have done so many wonderful things for me and who have opened doors for me that wouldn't normally have ever been opened. Uh, It's... Yeah, I mean, I, we only have 30 minutes, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> well, let me ask you this. What are some things that you recommend that people can start doing immediately? What are, what are some easy things that they can do that there's just no excuse to not be doing right now? Reset their definition of networking. Great answer. When I, Great answer. When, I do, uh, when I do a presentation, I will inevitably, no matter how big the room is, it can be 10 people or it can be 200 people in the room or more listening to my presentation. I will inevitably at some point in the conversation say, hey, who here doesn't have a network? Of course, I, by the way, I never answer, ask a question that I don't really answer to already. <laughs> and inevitably, somebody will raise their hand. And be, being the first-class jackass that I am, I will pick on them and hope that they don't kill me. And I'll say, really? You never went to school? No summer camp? Kids don't play in any sports. No house of worship. And and I think you, Adam, you know where I'm going with this, yep. but listening. Networking is just breathing. It's whoever you talk to. It's not just workmates. It's not just recruiters. It's everybody in your life. I, I was a sports coach for my kids for about a dozen years. And... I love the kids. I mean, I, I just absolutely love watching them develop and watching them that look in their eye when they get it, even if they're not that good, but when they start understanding it, uh, I love to coach and train and, and mentor and all that. But you know, those little kids, those eight year old kids, and those nine and 10 year old kids and whatever, they come to the field with those things called parents <laughs> and those parents, they have those things called jobs. And what do you know? They all work places too. And they're not just the parents of the kids. 
they're professionals. They do things. They're whatever. They're connected to people who are connected to other people. So when I was a coach, I used to, you know, I would always get to know the parents. When I go to services, I talk to the people who are sitting near me. Hey, how you doing? It's funny. Just I try place. to re- I try to put together something that you know what, so that they know who I am. You know, in less than fifteen seconds. I don't believe in the two minute elevator pitch or any of that stuff. I don't believe in any of that. Fifteen seconds or less because people have no span of attention whatsoever. But here's the biggest thing people can do when they're networking: never talk about yourself. There you go. The more you talk about the other person, tell me about you, tell me about you, tell me about you. The more you do it, the more people are going to talk about it. The people love to talk about themselves, so they'll do it. Eventually, they'll reciprocate. Oh, I told you all this about me. What's going on with you? Well, okay. Now you, talk, now you open the door. Hey, but you've also broken your own ice by letting them do all the talking for a while. Yeah, those are great. I completely agree about breaking things down. I, I have a course and I teach people how to uh, really break down what I call their spheres of influence. And it's all those things that you just talked about. School, the different schools you went to, you'd be surprised. You know, they're all, these are different spheres. And then also professional life. There's things that people don't even think about or they take for granted is every single person that you even write a check to or check. I don't know if anyone writes checks these days. It's up there with Rolodex, but you know what I'm talking about. Like anyone who's potentially a vendor to you. Again, there there are so many different people and spheres that we're a part of that are all parts of your network. And like you said, get to know some of these people, really get to know them. And and the more... It's funny you say that because vendors actually are usually much more in tune with what's going on in companies and what jobs are either open or about to be open than the employees themselves. 100%. They are fabulous members of the network. As long as you can control their yapping dog tendencies to try to sell you stuff, then you're fine. Yeah. But it's, again, it gets back to just building the relationship. If you built it the right way, they're going to have your back. And they under, and it's a reciprocal thing for a vendor, I think. A vendor will have your back. They'll try to help you out as much as they can because they know that if you help, if they help you, somewhere down the road, you might help them. Yeah. No, it really does. It, it just comes full circle. So how any aspirations for wine and dine? Is there, I mean, this thing is growing or has grown exponentially. Do you think at some point you'll cap it or is it the next level is going international? There's there's certainly no such thing as capping. And I'm not sure if the next level is international. I mean, at some point, I imagine we'll establish more, I don't want to use the word formal, but, but we'll have uh, some of those important groups in other countries. Uh, right now, I mean, I would certainly love to get to just other cities. We are predominantly East Coast, and we've been in other states off the East Coast. Uh, we're currently in Colorado. We've been in Co- California. We've been in Illinois. I'd like to get some more presence you know, further out into the United States in person. That would be great. I think it's a very, even though those groups are fairly small, when, people, when we get together, it's not like hundreds of people. It's usually 10, 15, 20 not big groups, not threatening group, but it's just good to have bases around the country where people uh, know they can go and see people in person, you know, have a drink, and just get to know each other and that kind of thing. I don't have very formalized plans of any kind to, you know, about marketing to expand or anything, but I'm, I'm, I am working on a better website. Thank goodness. <laughs> and, um, working to enhance the social media platform so that we can bring more people together that way. Cause that's what most people want to do anyway. The pandemic has certainly enhanced that by the way, people are almost, it's going to be a while before they really feel comfortable coming out on a regular basis. Even when the vaccine is fully out there, it's yeah. still going to be, you know, people are going to be very timid for a long time. 
Yeah. Do so. So we have a we have a, a pretty decent audience that's on the West Coast, and we do have some global listeners as well. When they reach out to you, do you want them to come when they reach out with some kind of plan and what they might be able to do to help expand in, in their jurisdictions, or just reach out just to connect? I would start with the just to connect part. You know, we don't have to dive right into what can you do for me. That's kind of crazy because you're not doing it for me anyway. You would be doing it for the community. But first things first, connect and say, hey, wine and dine sounds cool. Well, what can you tell me about it? I'm happy to have that conversation every day, all day long to bring the community together and grow it larger. And most people are going to reach out to me just to say, how can I participate without necessarily doing anything, which is fine. The more people, especially in the human resources community, the better. And some of those people in there will get so inspired by it, the way they have closer to me geographically, that they'll say, how can I run a group? How can I put together something locally to run groups like my friend that Leroy did in uh, Denver? All of my leaders have reached to me. I don't reach out to anybody because the passion comes from them. That's when they call. That's great. I, I got to tell you, it's been a great conversation, Keith. I, I love that your passion for people and just the organic growth of, of a relationship, just the way that you're thinking about things. And I think that you really nailed it when you talked about how people need to focus on other people, asking other questions, getting to know other people, just really understanding what networking is. You've clearly built an awesome, an, an, I mean, thousands of people all over is fantastic, especially when it's not even really been a focus. It's just happened organically. So impressive. And I think that just goes to show that 10 to 15% of people that you are interested in connecting with are also interested in finding others. So I, I tip my hat to you. This has been a great conversation. I hope those that are listening really kind of take to heart kind of the philosophies in which that you're you're living. And I'm going to say that you're, I'm going to say you're guiding philosophy one more time as, uh, as the parting words of this conversation. And that, unless, is there anything that you have to say, by the way, before I say your parting words? Well, you know me, I'm not overly brief. I could go on all day. There's all sorts of things I could talk about, but we, there's other podcasts in the future. All right. I like that. So uh, I'm going to end with your guiding philosophy that you have not lived a perfect day unless you've done something for someone who will never be able to repay you. Keith Bogan, many thanks for making today happen. It's been a privilege speaking with you, Adam, and I look forward to a lot more. Cheers. Many thanks for listening to Who's Who in HR. If you're looking to connect with more top-level HR professionals, be sure to log on to NetworkWise.com to find out how you could be part of an HR mastermind group. Also, subscribe to our newsletter to stay up to date on everything happening with NetworkWise. In the interim, make it a great day and remember to always NetworkWise. Network